Hello, and welcome to Risk Chats with A-Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, Tal and I speak with Jason Leekost from Ginny May about their ERM program. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have Jason from Ginny May. Uh, he leads the risk management uh, program here. And uh, Jason, introduce yourself. Let us know what you do for, uh, for Ginny May here. Sure. So I'm the director of operational risk. Um, I work for the chief risk officer. Um, I have about six programs underneath of me, enterprise risk management, vendor risk management, operational risk, operational incident tracking, model validation, and then our continuity of operations program. Okay, great. And uh, actually, we have Tal Siemens, our co-host today. Don't want to leave him out. Hey, good afternoon. All right. So, uh, Jason, why don't we start off with, uh, talk a little bit more about Ginny May. It's kind of a unique uh, entity in the federal world. So maybe just start with that and some of the unique risks that come with that organizational. Sure. So, so, so Ginny May uh, um, plays in this kind of quasi-space between federal and uh, commercial. The commercial component is with our issuers. Our issuers are made up of banks and non-banks. Um, so that's your, your, your quasi-commercial environment, dealing with uh, government loans and them going to our issuers and being securitized through our program and being sold off um, as a government security. Mm-hmm. So along with that, you have credit risk, you have market risk, you have operational risk, the systems, the process, the payments to the investors, uh, which are fairly large payments that happen twice a month. Um, so you can't affect have any downtime with the systems. So that's one of the metrics that we, we look at. Um, you have strategic and reputational risk. You know, um, I like the fact when I say Jenny May, most people don't know what Jenny May is. That means that we're keeping ourselves low and, and we're flowing below the radar and right. we're doing what the government intended us to do. Um, we support only federal loans. So that's the difference between us. Well, one of the differences between us and the GSEs. So when people get a VA loan, they get a uh, FHA loan, agriculture. There's several other kind of federal loans. Those loans go through our issuers, and they get securitized by our issuers who are in our Jenny May program. And then those things get uh, sold off the market. So what's a GSE? So a GSE would be um, a government-sponsored entity. Okay. So that would be a Fannie or Freddie. Jenny May is wholly owned by the government. We've always been wholly owned by the government. To give you a little historical background, uh, Fannie Mae was first, and they focused on the government loans. Um, At some point, about 10 years in, they decided to expand uh, Fannie Mae's role, but they didn't want to lose the government role, focusing on the government loans. So they created Jenny Mae. Gotcha. And so Jenny May was created by the federal government, and it's it's wholly owned by the federal government, and it always has, and and always will probably. Right. So actually, uh, yeah, go ahead, Doc. Yeah, just on that introduction, where you're talking about what Jenny May does, mm-hmm. how are you organized within the leadership of the uh, of Jenny May? Are you at the CXO level? Or are you great question? Below it? Who do you report to? Mm-hmm. And how's that working? So. Um, Jenny May has had a chief risk officer for about 10 years. My boss, uh, Gregory Keith, has been a chief risk officer for about six or seven of those years. Um, And I think it works out well for us because he's at the C-suite level. 
He sits um, at the peer level with our CFO, our CIO, and has direct reporting to our chief operating officer as well as our president. And so I think that gives us a lot of, uh, that gives us a strong presence within the organization. I think uh, some of the things that also helps our organization is the fact that a lot of the people here are used to commercial entities, whether they're contractors that work with us, like you know large banks, or like our issuers, uh, which can be banks or non-banks who have risk offices, they're used to those organizations having risk functions. Right, right. So the expectation is we should have it too. Right. Now, how many how many sub organizations are under the CRO? Is it all one organization, or are there divisions that? You know, how many how many direct reports report to the CRO? So um, Greg has four direct reports. Um, I, again, I, I told you the areas I focus on. Right. Um, he is the chief information security officer, focuses and in, in reports to him, mm-hmm. which is helpful for cyber risk. Mm-hmm. And so we work together because we're peers. We work together and I make sure to include those IT risks, whether they're FISMA, whether they're cyber, whatever they may be, into our program. As you'll see on our taxonomy behind me, um, IT risk is underneath of operational. Um, we also have our uh, counterparty division and the director that leads that, and that focuses a lot on the underwriting and our, our credit side of the house. Mm-hmm. So that reports to him. So to, to get into our program, our counterparty has to do an underwriting of that issuer to determine if they meet the criteria to come into the Jenny May program. Gotcha. Right? And then we also have the economic modeling group, which is in this group, which um, has a, um, a real impact on our financial statements, uh, their forecast. Right. And so that's why one of the groups that sits under me is model validation. Gotcha. So since I'm separate and I'm a true second line, I do validation of those models. So you got segregation of duties Correct. Uh, between people who build models and the people who prove them. Correct. All right. Yeah. And, and more so, it's, it's, a, it's reviewing the, the theory, the assumptions, the, 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 um, the thought behind some of the calculations to make sure, as well as, is the calculation itself correct? Right. Okay. So, and so it sounds like uh, you got, so you're, you know, the CRO is, you know, kind of one of the peers of the CFO and the other C-suite. So, and so is the CFO's office the one that takes care of sort of internal control reviews, things like that at the organization, I would, I would guess then? Um, no, I would say here we have a very, um, we have an office within CFO that focuses on what I would call what was traditional A123 Appendix A. Oh, okay. Um, but because I've gone through and documented the entire agency, flow charted it out, you see one of the flow charts there, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, we're all encompassing, kind of holistic in the, in the review. Right. That includes um, financial, operational, strategic, and any other types of risk that will kind of fall on our taxonomy. Right. One of the things we do is we're starting to leverage the documentation we have um, to satisfy that. And then the dropping of the latest secular lends itself towards that type of thought. Right. So in, unintentionally, we were already headed that direction. Okay. And so um, we work really well together. Mm-hmm. They, uh, um, I make sure to always get a copy if they have something built around cycle memos. 
And then that way we're able to, when we go in, we understand where the financial controls are, but I'm able to document the entire process. And then I'm able to show people where financial plays a role in the overall process, which is a much better picture than just cutting a piece of the pie and saying this single control is something you need to focus on. Because there's a lot of operational and strategic decisions that are made that may affect that financial control. Right, right. And those things need to be accounted for. Well, let's talk a little bit. Uh, I think something fundamental here is the is your uh, taxonomy, your risk taxonomy. Maybe mm-hmm. we go a little bit in, into that and how that is a fundamental piece here. Yeah, so our taxonomy, we're on version 2.0. The first year I did it, it, it only had... Um, we had a level one, level two, and then level three. But our level one the first year was financial management, operational, strategic, and in legal. And so the struggle with it being four at the level one was if I want to develop metrics around the risk that are related to those different buckets, they were too broad. Oh, right. So in version 2.0, we pulled market and credit out of financial because accounting, reporting, and financial auditability is very different than credit risk. Right. Right? And it's very sure. different than market risk. Right. And so those deserve their own buckets, <clears throat> and they deserve their own metrics, and they des- deserve their own kind of attention, if you will, right? because they bring a different type of exposure to the organization. Same thing with governance oversight. We had governance oversight lapped underneath strategic. And I think your strategic goals and your strategic kind of plan, as well as the risk associated with strategic, are different than necessarily government oversight. Sure. So we wanted to break that out too. Right, because like on one, it's about how ambitious and challenging your your mission is in terms mm-hmm. of goals versus a changing environment mm-hmm. versus the other one is just how well does your organization lead and uh yeah. and set the tone at the top for success exactly i i agree that's that's great i i was up there taking pictures with yeah. your permission jason yeah. uh, paul will go ahead and post that post that on the uh, website with the podcast so that listeners can see the the uh, Enterprise Risk Universe, <laughs> as it's been plotted by Jenny May. Yes, no, no, I, I would, I would, I'd appreciate that. Um, it's taken a lot of work. It, it's something we put a lot of thought into. It, it's something at definitely at the level three. Mm-hmm. We're we're open to always kind of updating it on an annual basis. Right. So one of the things is is we've gone through and and, and documented all the risk and controls within the agency. And operational incidents helps with that too because that catches the things that we didn't document right. a lot of the times or we catch failures in a process that we thought had a mitigant in place that was working well, but then something failed. Yeah. Um, we use that to update the taxonomy. So when I come back to my boss, I'm able to communicate this information. Not only can I tell him where we have problems, but I'm able to segregate the problem so he knows, okay, within credit risk, for example, you have a problem in uh, a concentration risk with an issuer, mm-hmm. right? So that's a real risk. So when you understand it, then that's very different than traditional financial management in accounting and reporting. But previously they were lumped together 
Right. And that didn't give you enough clarification that you needed to, to really understand the risk. Mm -hmm. So by breaking it out this way, you can now drive all the way down to the lower level, understand what those risks are, but then you can roll it up too, and I can give them a pie chart by level one, I can give them a pie chart or a bar graph by level two, and even if I needed to, level three, if he said, okay, what in credit, if I see credit as one of my bigger areas, what's in credit, what's driving some of my problems in credit, or what's right. my higher risk? And I may say concentration risk, industry risk, and, and, and some uh, counterparty, or maybe market practices. Mm -hmm. And then with underneath that, I'm able to drive to level three to show him what may be the leading indicator in those areas that are causing this 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 high risk. Right. And so it allows us to have information to give the leaders so they can make decisions. Right. Right. Gotcha. Right. And it, I mean, obviously, it's a great tool to you know report up to the CRO, but also to, uh, to you know navigate your stakeholders in these different areas. Right. So maybe give us a little, give us a little insight on how you know how do you well, again, I'm really appreciative of, of, of the leadership at Jenny, and I'm appreciative of the managers and the staff because they wanted risk management. That's good. <laughs> right? And right. that's very different. Now, we all may think differently about what is risk management, mm -hmm. but that's my job to communicate it and to facilitate those discussions so we can come to some common ground. Right? right? So it's not my way is the right way. It's not someone else's way is the right way. But through discussion and through integration, we can come up with what is a good way for Ginny May. And that's what it's really about. Mm -hmm. um, but because I, I work in an environment of individuals who care about risk and care about risk management and, and they care about protecting the program, it made it a lot easier for me to have these discussions. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, what are you waiting on? <laughs> we want you get get this thing in place. We need it. It helps us because, you know, it helps managers manage their process. Mm -hmm. When your process is documented and your team agrees with the way the process was documented and the risk in there, not only does it give a level of transparency as to what your process is, it gives a level of transparency around what your risks are, but it also lets every staff know how they play a role in the bigger picture of the organization. Right. Well, I that leads into one of my questions was, you know, with such a large portfolio of you know different kinds of risks at, at this. You know, at Ginny May. You know how. You know what have you seen? How do you manage this? Or and it sounds like your stakeholders are really taking ownership mm -hmm. of this. We're still we're still young and rolling this thing out. I, I, I've been here a little over three years, mm -hmm. and we've been working on it every day. Uh, um, again, appreciative of the staff and the leadership for for being accepting of it. Um, but we, we still have a long way to go, but we're, 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 we're moving well. I think on a maturity scale, every year we take one step to, to getting better. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the, the, the ideal goal is when you get to proactive risk management and you produce reports that management really uses to right. make decisions. Right. And so where are we on that, right? So we just finished documenting our largest business office, actually the end of August. 18 months spent documenting them. Hmm. A thousand page document on flows. And I focus on flows more so than just narratives because people can digest visual uh, um, documents a lot easier. Uh, um, and so we focus on flows mostly with some context around the boxes so people can drive in. But it was, it was focused on getting the flows right so I can really hurry up and quickly drive into the risk and then drive into the controls. 
Um, and so that's where we're at on that scale. So now that we've kind of turned the corner in documentation, now my staff is challenged with the fact of following up on a annual, on a biannual, so twice a year, following up on the gaps that we've identified with the different offices so that then we can start to address the things that, that are out there to fix them. Like the, the new uh, 8123 Appendix A, as they're talking about I-Cores, they're talking about making mm -hmm. sure we have established data quality objectives for all of our uh, material reports and material reporting line items. Jason just held it up. He's got it tabbed <laughs> and underlined and highlighted. Right. <laughs> it, it really gets to the point where, you know, it's, it, it is it, essential to have good... Mm -hmm. objectives for each of your areas so that you can identify and, and analyze the risk to meeting those objectives. So you guys on tier two have seven areas and you got 35 categories of risk underneath those seven in your universe. How many of those have good objectives down? such that when it comes time to identifying risks and, uh, and uh, analyzing the impact of that risk against meeting that objective, do they all, do some of them, most of them? Well, so now I think you're bleeding into the discussion around appetite. Well, exactly. Right? True. So True. the way we look at appetite, uh, um, taxonomy plays a role in it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and it helps us understand where these bigger risks are. So what I'm showing you right now on the screen is um, a part of our risk profile, we break out where those top 10 risks are and where they were, where they at at a tier level one and where they're at as a tier level two. So the slide previously shows you tier one, what was driving are some of our larger risks. Mm -hmm. And then tier two shows you the level one and the level two. So it shows you underneath of it, sure. what are the things that are that are really driving. So if operational is one of our larger risks, now you can see, for example, procurement plays a role in that. IT plays a role in that, in the operational space, right? What? So now you understand, understand that. But from an appetite standpoint, um, I think there's two good ways to kind of do appetite from a standpoint of building one. You can build it around your taxonomy. So, each level one could have an appetite statement. Yeah. Or you can do the way we chose. Each strategic goal for the organization has an appetite. So each strategic goal for us has an appetite. And then we're now going through the process of building metrics for each appetite statement. So how do I know that we're making progress towards our appetite? So it's one thing to have an appetite statement. It's another thing to follow it. Okay. And so how do we do that? How do we quantify that? How do we understand if we're actually following this appetite that we've put out there? Now, would you have like an example of uh, what it means that you just described? Putting metrics in place that shows that you're following your appetite. So in this slide I'm showing you right here, this is an example of where we have an, a, a, a management goal right? Strategic goal. Mm -hmm. Then we have an appetite adjacent to that. And then we have metrics that we've placed underneath of that to help us measure to it. For, for the folks listening, could you describe the, uh, the specific goal and the metrics like for this, this, for an example. this example for folks so they can get an idea? 
Yeah, so I don't want to give too much of Jenny May's risk away. Oh, all right, right. But just between us here and the community. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but um, yeah, but we 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 want to we want to, for example, operations. You might have a system that's important in meeting one of your strategic goals. Right. And downtime is important. There you go. Okay. Right. Uh So putting metrics around. Can we afford to be down? We can't afford to be down more than four hours on a right. day when payments are due, right? right. So right. making so that. how are we measuring uh, against right. that? So are we saying okay, we have an appetite where two hours is reasonable, four hours we know we can't do. Mm-hmm. Zero, of course, is perfect, right? right. So it's forcing people to have a discussion around trade-offs, right. around appetite. Mm. Yeah, I like that. It makes it very tangible. Yes. Yeah. Kind of a you know. Theoretical or yeah, and, 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 and it takes time. Yeah, it takes time. And within a year, just to focus on the enterprise level, mm-hmm. we still have another few years to go on the programmatic level. Mm-hmm. But it helps a lot because we have the program areas documented. So at least when we go in to have discussions about appetite, we know what their real risks are, mm-hmm. and we know what their controls are, and we know what the purpose of that division is. So when we try to create an appetite around the purpose of that division. And we can use their metrics and their risk and controls that to start the discussion around what are real metrics that should be in place to understand. They might be metrics you're already generating, hmm. right? Because one of our goals is in creating metrics is we want to leverage as much information that's already being produced as possible, sure. yeah. and and see if you can provide that on a quarterly basis. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want you to create. I, my job isn't create more work for you. So if you have a metric that says, look, we already measure when the systems are out and we measure when we're up and running, and we have metrics on that. Well, great, then those are the type of things that I want to leverage to see if we're, 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 we're in line with the appetite we just discussed. Right, well, because appetite's gonna translate to, I mean, where do we focus our funds and our time and energy, right? I mean, exactly. so if, you, I mean, if your appetite for system being down is extremely low, you know, then you've gotta you know, make sure there's funding available when downtime happens or whatever, right? So or Redundancies, or redundancies, backups, or, et cetera, whatever the strategy is, yeah. Well, no, it, I mean, and that leads into kind of the coop work, right? Right, so, right, exactly. So, yeah. you know, one of the things that when you, when you start laying things out and identifying this is, you know, where are your essential functions as it pertains to your high risk? Mm-hmm. Right? And so those are one of the things that we're still very, you know, uh, um, new in this space. But that's one of the things that we're thinking about because yeah. we want to make sure when you're making, when we give management information to make decisions, we want to make sure we give them as much information as possible. So if we also tell someone, hey, this area is an area of high risk. This is the type of appetite we have on it. But by the way, our, you know, two of our essential functions reside in this space. Mm-hmm. So you need to know that, management needs to know that when they make a decision, my boss needs to know that when he makes a decision on you know, communicating that with his bosses or with his peers, and they make sure she's around, you know, budget, resources, all of those type of decisions, mm-hmm. they need to have that information. Right. And, and how long have you had these, you know, risk appetite statements, so to speak, up and, up and running? Literally, we started a year ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I would say within the last few months, we've had these eight, these statements, these, and, and the metrics are still uh, um, at the enterprise level. Mm-hmm. They're probably if a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is complete, we're probably on a scale of 7 or 8. Right. So we're still working through it. You know, my boss is giving me critiques on them. And then after he's critiques, I go and socialize it with his peers. Mm -hmm. 
and they give critiques and we give back. So it's 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 iterations. Right. It's no silver bullet. Sure. Right. So, and, and we don't have a goal of getting it done right now. The goal is, you know, trying to improve a little bit every day. It also sounds like you're really trying to, you know, bring some value from this program to the organization. It's not we're just not, yes. who, you know, what's the risks and kind of be worried about them. You're really doing proactive steps to really track them, yep. measure them, do something about it. I mean, that's a big deal. It is a big deal, it, yeah. it, 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 and honestly, that's our value proposition. Yeah, we have to give you information that helps you make decisions. And if we're not doing that, if we're just collecting information to collect it, we're not a value add. Right. If, right. So. If, if, if I can, uh, you know, this is years down the road, but, you know, at some point create some, some snazzy reports that go to senior leadership that help senior leadership make budget decisions, make strategy decisions, uh, make, you know, resource decisions, mm -hmm. then I've accomplished my goal. Right. Right? Because now I'm actually giving the senior leaders the tools, an additional tool. They already have tools. But an additional tool they can use to help them make a decision. That sounds great. Well, so another area I want to cover today is uh, the, the risk profiles. Just curious what your approach was to putting those together and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the risk profile, this is year two. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the great thing is again, because we have stuff documented at a, at a, at a, at a, at a office level, we're able to roll up those risks to maybe a group of maybe 60 mm -hmm. and then we have workshops and where we go through that 60 and we cut it down okay. right and we do it through individual interviews so everyone has always have to be pulled into the same room we'll get meet with certain people as risk are in their area and I say as a senior leader in this area these are the risks we've identified what do you think about these risks or any of these risks that you want to elevate to an enterprise level and I ask them to elevate it because you want them to own it. Right. And if they're willing to elevate it, that means to me that they think it's something that they're willing to put put out front in front of their peers mm -hmm. as well as their bosses. Right. So we ask them for that. And sometimes they say stuff that we didn't have captured. Hmm. And that's great too. And so we, we capture that information. We, we go about doing that across the board then we do a survey. We send out the survey to, to everyone. We ask them about impact and, and probability, but then we add an additional column talking about it. We have a, we have two additional things. We have one, a, a, um, a context box. So if you have comments about the risk, whether you like, dislike, or you think we can improve it one way, we give you a certain amount of characters to, to, to explain that thought. But then we also ask you regarding resources, do we have enough, too much, or not enough? And so as it rolls up, you can, once you get to the point where you can actually see the risk, mm -hmm. right, in the profile, you'll see whether we have not enough, the right amount, or too much. Okay. And you'll see which one is a leading indicator, and you'll be able to communicate that based on where that risk fell in the overall heat map. And so this is additional information we can give the senior leaders so they now understand that this might be a medium to high risk, but the, 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 the census in the room is we don't, have not, we don't have enough resources or we have the right amount or, or too much. 
So we want to give them as, as much information as possible without overwhelming them to help them make decisions. So if you got a risk and you know whether you have enough resources around it, that helps you too. Yeah. Because now you know whether I got the right amount, not enough, or, or you know, so at least that's the sense of room. Now you still have to make your own decision. Right. But my job is is I, is uh, is to set the table, not to tell you what to eat. Right. Right. <laughs> so speaking of setting the table, mm -hmm. there's a lot of folks that are still on a more early side of program development and implementation at their agency. Mm -hmm. What words of wisdom would Jason tell them that if you're on the earlier side of the program uh, maturity model, here's what I'd encourage you to do to, to get the, the most miles ahead for the future that you can. Develop a sponsor. If you can get multiple sponsors, do that. Mm -hmm. Take it slow. We did a pilot year right. where we did one small office, well, medium-sized office the first year. It allowed us to cut our teeth and learn a lot. Mm -hmm. That was very helpful. And then not only did we, we, we learn a lot, we were very flexible in the process. So by the time we ended that process, I you know, at the beginning I asked them, what do you want to see at the end of this that would say that we added value? Right? So I have that at the beginning kind of as my guide. Right. Right? And and, and the whole time I'm working towards that as well as trying to accomplish what other goals I may have in place. But the, but the benefit of that is when I finish that assessment, it may be one office, and you might have 10 more, 20 more to go. Mm -hmm. But now you develop goodwill, and you have a sponsor. Right. And so the next time you roll out, maybe you grab three offices. Mm -hmm. Right? It's iterations. And, and, and so guess what? If you do the same thing and you do it well, when you finish year two, like we did, now I got five sponsors. Right. And guess what? I got three left to go, right? My organization is smaller than some, so it'll, it'll be a different strategy for every organization. There is no, you know, my way fixes everyone's way. It, we all have different approaches. But I think if you're patient, you're, you, just as much as you're trying to explain stuff, you're willing to listen, right. you'll, be, you'll, you'll go a long way. And, and develop those, those sponsors to, uh, that support your program because word of mouth uh, goes a long way. Well, and following up on that, for your for your own organization, for Ginny May, you know, what would you like to see the development of ERM in the next year or two? Where do you? So, I mean, um, senior leaders continue to absorb uh, um, the work that we're doing. Uh, um, give me valuable input on the reports they would like to see. Mm -hmm. uh, um, continue to give me feedback on ways I can improve, and ways I can give them better information to help them make decisions. I don't know what's in their mind, but if they communicate it to me, um, my goal is to, to try to meet it and to try to give them things that are helpful. That sounds good. Well, Jason, thank you very much for joining us today. Yes. Thanks a lot. Thank Absolutely. you. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're looking forward to many new podcasts in the new year your eyes on the website and until the next time this is paul marshall signing off for risk chats with a firm